Hey there and welcome to Film Me Up. I'm Steve Walker and this is the show to help fuel your filmic discussions. Such as, should Indiana Jones get rebooted or is Harrison Ford the one and only? Because, uh, I don't know whether you've seen it this week, but uh, Harrison Ford um, in an interview with, what was it, on the Today Show in the United States of America... Um, he basically said that no one can replace him. Um, I'll, I've got the exact quote here. It says, he said, uh, don't you get it? I'm Indiana Jones. When I'm gone, he's gone. It's easy. This is a hell of a way to tell Chris Pine, Chris Pine this. So basically, I think that either he got confused or he kind of knew what he was doing because he said Chris Pine, but it's been rumored since 2015 that Chris Pratt um, was going to kind of... Re- place Harrison Ford in like a reboot um I mean 2015 is when uh Jurassic World came out it's like a year after Guardians of the Galaxy so that's kind of like it's almost like peak Chris did I say Chris Pine again I don't know even I'm getting confused at this point um but 2015 is like peak Chris Pratt so um so yeah so that's probably what that's a reference to assumedly either that or it's like a reference to Chris Pine taking over Harrison Ford's roles because he was like because he was um, flipping, what's his face? Jack Ryan. But lots of people have been Jack Ryan, so I don't think that's the case. I don't know, whatever. He's, he's, he just could be because he's old, I guess. Um, but, um, yeah, they're not rebooting it at the moment. Indiana Jones 5 is coming, whether we want it or not, in 2021. Steven Spielberg's back, Harrison Ford's back. Um, arguably, it's like the make or break of the franchise, um, because obviously lots of people, including myself, didn't like Indiana Jones 4. Um, so either this is going to get it back on track and then people will like it and then they may reboot it because they're like, oh yeah, this is good time to like get people's interest in it again. Um, or um, it's rubbish again and they go, well, let's reboot it because it can't be any worse. So... Either way, a reboot is kind of likely, um, but an alternative that they could, that Disney could look at um, is continuing with a grown-up short round from uh, the Temple of Doom. Um, you just get an older, you just get like an Asian actor that's like in his thirties or forties or whatever, and then you just continue it from there, um, and that would work. Or they could do what Harrison Ford is saying and just leave it alone, um, just start a new series i mean it's not exactly like a obviously it's got elements that are indiana jones-esque like to that character and that are specific to that character but there's a lot of films out there that have kind of aped that sort of genre um tomb raider film tomb raider uh sahara national treasure the mummy films they're all quite similar to in style and tone to the indiana indiana jones film so you could definitely do something um, like that without like that's basically a reboot in all but name um so obviously a lot of those films weren't well received necessarily but you could easily take something like that and actually make it good and something that people want to see so i don't know whatever they do they'll do it um they, it's up to them but um i don't know personally i i i mean they've already in a sense, tarnish the record because of Indiana Jones 4. So, and they're doing five. So, like, in, there's so many reboots and stuff out there. I wouldn't be too bothered. Um, I'm not, like, a diehard fan, so I wouldn't be too bothered. 
Um, in, like in my eyes, like pretty much anything can reboot, be rebooted, but um, nothing's too sacred, really. Um, but but I mean, ideally, I'd want something original, something new in that sort of vein, um, in an ideal world. So um, yeah, just have franchises as they are, just have them be what they are, and like you don't need to reboot stuff, just have something new based that's like similar to it. Um, is what you should go with in my opinion but and eh, it's a brand it's a name it's recognition what are you gonna do so funnily enough i actually went to the cinema this week shock horror um and i, I saw john wick 3 parabellum um it's really good um it's it's more john wick uh, if you liked one or two you'll like three um what i will say is it's like um, they are really, really good action films, and their world is so good. And I, that I think the thing about those films is I love the world more than the story um, and the character of John Wick, if that makes sense. So um, it's got some really, really good action. And actually, like this film's two hours and eight minutes long, and I'd say like an hour and a half of that is probably action. It's pretty much nonstop. Um, it's quite relentless. I mean, the kind of the plot necessitates it. Um, especially to start with, but, um, and it's amazing to watch. It's amazingly choreographed. It's so fun to watch. And it's just, it's, it's all out of balls to wall action, but it can get a little bit too much. It's quite samey at at times. And, um, because there's so much of it, it kind of can get a bit tedious, but, um, but like I say, the world itself is great and the characters are great. Um, because this is the third film, they've kind of, they know that, this is a big franchise and the people like it. They've kind of just gone, they've definitely gone crazy and they've just gone balls to one. Like, yeah, we're just not going to restrain ourselves at all. And I think like it comes across obviously in the action, but it comes across in like the world building as well. It seems a little, a slight bit too pretentious at times. Um, and slightly less grounded than it used, than it kind of was. Not that it was particularly grounded anyway, but like, you know what I mean? Um, but, I mean, it's still great. I still love the world, and it's still a really good film, and I did enjoy myself. So, um, yeah, I definitely, if you like the first two, go and watch it. And if you haven't seen any of them, I'd definitely watch the first ones and see whether you like it. Um, or just watch the trailers. I mean, the trailers, there's no... The trailers are pretty accurate to the film. Um, there's no, like, massive spoilers in the film, so there's nothing in the trailers that can spoil the film. But, um, yeah, um it's i i don't know where it's what it's rated wherever you people are but um here in canada it was rated 18 um so i think it's got slightly more gore than it had before um but it's not like over the top it's not horrendous but um yeah apparently it's necessitated that rating so just something to bear in mind if you do see it um but now we'll get to the the crux of it and from the title you'll see um so this is um this I've taken the Mr. Universe section that I did in the very first uh, podcast and I've given it its own its own show, sort of. Um, yes, this is Mr. Universe. So this is where I take three standalone films um, that I think um, that Hollywood have sort of missed the trick and they could have taken those films and you could have made them into their own shared universe. Because Hollywood's doing that all. It's all the rage with what with the MCU and... They tried to do it with the Dark Universe and the Mummy, and that worked well. And they've they've been doing it with DC, and that's sort of that's worked well and not worked. It's it's doing things. Um, 
so yeah so these are three films that i've uh, i've called the time crime universe because i thought it had a nice ring to it um you could also call it the crime time universe no that doesn't work too well time crime universe um so yeah so the three films um there are going to be spoilers for this because you can't really do do this without spoilers um so th- uh, the three films I'm covering are Deja Vu, Source Code, and Minority Report. So if you uh, don't want any spoilers for those films um, or whatever, then uh, feel free to go back and watch those films first and then come back to this. Um, but um, I sort of like summarize bits of the plot and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's like the films are really good. You should definitely go and watch them all. They were really good films. Um but yeah, but I mean, like, it's up to you. Um, I'm not hugely bothered by spoilers for the most part. They're not like huge cultural touchstones, so um, they're just they're enjoyable films in themselves. So listen, don't listen, go and watch the films, uh, come back. Um, yeah, do whatever. Uh, so the first film we're starting with is the first film chronologically, uh, which is Deja Vu, uh, which came out in 2006, uh, directed by Tony Scott. And it stars Denzel Washington, um, and he is investigating a ferry bombing um, using a program called Snow White. Um, and so Snow White, you can use to basically watch and record the past. So they can't like rewind and fast forward or whatever. They can just go back. Um, it's very specific. You go back four days, six hours, three minutes, forty-five seconds, and fourteen point five nanoseconds. I don't know what happened to milliseconds there um they missed that one out but yeah so you go back that amount of time and you can record it so you can replay it back if you want um but yeah you basically watch what happened in the past um and basically uh throughout the film they're they're watching stuff to try and solve it and get information about the bomber and whatever and uh basically denzel washington learns that it's a what they call it i don't know they for some reason uh it's called a time window and so that he he can actually send inanimate objects through. So he sends a note uh, to try and give himself a note with some information that they found out. And um, and at the end of the film, instead of sending an inanimate object through, he actually sends an animate object in that through. In that he sends himself through. So he goes through to try and stop the bombing himself. So he goes back into the past. So at some point there is actually two of him. Um. I think. I don't quite know. I've not actually thought about that bit. Anyway, so basically, uh, the end result is that there's three different timelines. So there's the original timeline where the bomb goes off and the investigation starts up. There's a second timeline after Denzel Washington sends the note through. Um, and then that changes events because once he does that, um, his partner actually picks up the note. Um and so he's like his cop partner picks up the note and he goes and investigates and he actually gets killed. Um, and then the bomb still goes off. So that's similar to the first timeline, apart from his partner gets killed as well. Uh, the sa- third one uh, timeline, when Denzel Washington goes through, um, he stops the terrorist. The bomb doesn't go off. And this girl, that th- th- this woman that they've been following called Claire, um, who's when they've been following her, they've found out all this information she's actually not dead anymore and they like one of the parts of the film is that he slowly falls in love with this dead woman by watching her in the past and then he actually goes into the past and then they go off into the sunset together so um so yeah so at the end of that film you've actually got three different timelines using this program 
um, because they've been sending notes and people back through the into the past um, by watching four days, six hours, three minutes, forty-five seconds, fourteen point five nanoseconds in the past. Um, and so then this leads on. Yeah, I'm just brushing over the fact that there may be two Denzel Washingtons in the world at some point um, in the third timeline. I didn't think about that. It's not really covered in the the, uh, summary that I was reading earlier. And it's something we we can think about another time. We can talk about another time. But for the time being, we're just brushing over that. Um, We'll just assume that... I don't know. We'll we'll just assume that it's fine and that it that it all works out. I don't know. So at the end of that film, you've got all those you've got those three different timelines, and this leads into uh, the next film, Source Code, which came out in twenty eleven, directed by Junk Junker. Man, I'm stumbling over words so much today. Directed by Duncan Jones and starring Jake Gyllenhaal. There's a lot of just um not that kind of just. Uh, so, uh, yes, so basically, the way I'm going with this is that Snow White, uh, this program where they can look into the past, has been developed and worked on, and in that five years in between, it's become the source code, and it's now a military program, um, and so, and instead of, and they, rather than sending physical objects through, they can send, uh, people's consciousness through in time, well, back in time. So they send, uh, and they send the people's consciousness back in time into a compatible host, I guess, um, eight minutes before their death. So Jake Gyllenhaal is a U.S. Arm, Army pilot captain, I don't know, something like that. Um, and he's sent back to find a train bomber in the past. So he goes back onto the train uh, that blows up eight minutes before it blows up into the body of a school teacher, And he has to find the bomber. Um, to find their identity, so that in the present um, they can they can use that information to catch the bomber and stop any future attacks because there's apparently going to be some future attacks. So he goes back numerous times, um, with most of them ending up with the bomb going off because they don't really explain to him what's going on. So he sort of spends a lot of time trying to work out what's happening and trying to save the friend that he's with because um, obviously because the school teacher was traveling the train with a friend. And that friend doesn't see Jake Gyllenhaal. They see the friend. So they're interacting with their friend. And Jake Gyllenhaal is like, we need to get off this train because it's going to blow up or whatever. So, uh, yeah, most of the times ends up with the bomb going off and him not finding the bomber. Um, but one time he actually does this on the train with the friend. And he's following a suspect. Um, someone that he thinks has a phone and, I don't know, he's planting the bomb or something. Um, and basically this guy isn't actually the bomber and they are stood at a train station and they see on the platform and they see the explosion happen in the distance. Um, so he's actually in the, what they call the sort, like they call the going into the past and stuff. They call it going into the source code. So he's actually in the source code longer than the eight minutes because he's the guy that he's in. He's the host doesn't actually die in that timeline. So yeah, he's actually in the source code for longer than the eight minutes. And but then he does actually die because he he has a scuffle with the that suspect 
ends up on the train tracks and then he gets run over by a train. So at that point he dies. But before then, he was still alive. Um, so another time, because he's he, he comes back and he's like, I saved her. I saved the friend. But everyone explains to him that the friend is only saved in the source code, which is actually just a different timeline. So in that timeline, she's saved. But in the original initial timeline, she's still dead. They all died by the bomb. Um, so he goes back another time uh, and tries to contact the doctor in charge of the program to prove that he can um, change the past. But because it's the doctor is in the past, like I don't know at what point the like how far back. I don't know whether it was like the day before or the morning of. Um, or whatever that they'd actually um, were sent that the bomb had gone off. So I don't know how far in the past they were sending him. Obviously, it's eight minutes before the guy died, but it's it could be like yeah, we'll send you like it's just it could be an eight minute chunk like from last week or something like that. Um, so yeah, he goes back into the past again, um, and he tries to call the doctor that's in charge of the source code program. Uh, trying to prove that he can change the past, but because it's because it's in the past, the doctor doesn't really know what he's talking about, and um, because it's a different doctor, um, and so nothing happens. There's no actual change in that. Um, but eventually, he does go back and he finds the bomb's identity, relays the information back. The bomb still goes off in that timeline, but he finds out the information, so he relays it to the um, original timeline and to the present. So they catch the bomber, and it's all good. Um, but then he has to be sent back in one final time. And then once they reach the end of the time, the eight minute kind of source code time, he asks for the machine to be turned off um, so that he can stay in that timeline. Because the, in the original timeline, he's basically a head and a torso. Um, and he's he's hooked up to like life support and stuff. Um, so they send him back one last time. Um, he And in that timeline... He, because he knows who the bomber is and where the bomb is and everything, he uses all that information that he's learned to stop the bomb, catch the bomber, and so the train doesn't, the train, the bomb doesn't go off and the train's fine. Um, then he's unplugged from the machine, and in when he's unplugged from the machine, the machine, he actually stays in the past, so he stays in that timeline. Um, so the result of it, all of this, um. Basically, even though he goes back in time multiple times, like he goes back, I don't know, maybe like eight, nine times. Um, I think there's only really three timelines um, because um, because he goes back to the past, essentially. And then for a number of those, nothing really changes and the bomb still goes off and everything. I still think that's essentially the original timeline and he's just overwriting it. And then, because nothing happens, like, and the only time that you get a different timeline is if you get a significant change. So, the second timeline will be when he disembarks the train with the friend and the suspect, because then you have three people alive that weren't alive in the original timeline, and that's a big difference. So, that's, so you get a different timeline. The third timeline is the obvious one, where he goes back, he stops the bomb, he saves the train, he saves the people, and then carries on living that life. There's obviously the sort of caveat of 
he's now taken over the life of somebody and he now has to teach in a school when he was an army pilot and doesn't know how to teach. So it's a bit strange, but it's kind of like an attempt to theft. But we're, we're also brushing that aside. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about time crimes. Um, also, another time side note I was thinking of, because in the second timeline, he survived longer than the eight minutes, so longer than the allotted source code time. Um, but the machine was still on. So, like, if he'd have stayed off, if they hadn't turned the machine off in the final timeline, would he have just stayed alive? What would there be any real difference? Um, because the guy didn't die, so it seemed like the only reason that he was ever pulled out of the machine, out of the source code, is because he died. And so, and in that timeline, he doesn't die. So, would he not have just stayed in it? But I mean, I guess if he's still hooked up to machines and stuff, they can the army who were sort of like running the show, they could they could bring him back. They could pull him out of that timeline, I guess. Um, um, but now that he's... It, they, they sort of like disconnected him from the machine. He's in there permanently. So, um, yeah, I guess that's the only sort of difference. Um, it, was just, it was just the thing that I was thinking about. Um, so, yeah, so... The Snow White program becomes the source code, and then the source code becomes, uh, in Minority Report, the 2002 film, um, directed by Steven Spielberg and starring Tom Cruise. Um, I mean, even though this is a 2002 film, it's set in 2054, and basically um, what I'm suggesting is that source code is then in that, uh, what is it, like nearly 43-year time span, um, they've developed this technology even further, and now uh, it's become pre-crime. Um, and so, and in pre-crime uses pre-cogs to pre-visualize, it's a lot of pre's, to pre-visualize future crimes rather than re-visualizing past crimes, um, essentially. Uh, the pre-cogs are genetically mutated people, um, so they're just like people, but then it's it's future science. It's, I mean, it's a sci-fi film. They've just taken people and they've done some done some things with them in a lab, and now they can predict the future and see things. It's that's what happens. It's a sci-fi thing. Um, so this is interesting though, because because now we're predicting crimes from the future rather than revisiting crimes from the past. And so this one is actually, this film's slightly different. So in that there's only one fixed timeline in this one. So in the previous films, there were uh, three timelines in Deja Vu and three timelines in Source Code. But in Minority Report, there's actually only one fixed timeline. Um, there's multiple possible timelines um, in sort of like seeing the predictions of crimes in the future. But there's only actually one fixed one. Um, so... Basically, the film starts and uh, Tom Cruise is the pre-crime captain. So he's sort of, uh, he's not the boss, like the ultimate boss, but he's one of the bosses of pre-crime. Um, but he is predicted that he will be a future murderer. So he goes on the run. Um, but he ends up at the scene of the crime, at the time of the crime. Uh, but he doesn't go through with it. Instead, the guy that he was supposed to 
that he was predicted to be to kill uh, actually shoots himself with Tom Cruise's gun. And so that is a change in a predicted timeline. So that timeline, that possible future timeline no longer exists. Um, and it's only because it's not, because it's not happened. Um, so it's now a fixed timeline. Uh, the guy committed suicide. Tom Cruise did not kill him. Um, the only, the other predicted crime that happens in the, well, the other crime that's predicted in this film, um, is that the head of pre-crime, so the top boss, um, it's, it's, well, it's predicted that the top boss will kill Tom Cruise. Um, he also doesn't do it in the end. Um, he's persuaded by Tom Cruise to not do it because either uh, the boss will kill him and then go to jail or he won't kill him and then pre-crime doesn't work because it doesn't predict the future. It just predicts a possible future. So he, the boss is like, oh, I don't know, and he just kills himself. So we have two instances of suicide, which again changes the predicted timeline. So the fixed timeline is now the guy, that guy killing himself and not killing Tom Cruise. But those aren't the only times that they they stop or change the timeline. It's not. It's the only. They're not the only two times in this world in this universe where um, pre-crime has. Uh, changed the a possible timeline into a fixed timeline because they're constantly doing that by catching culprits of so they they see someone committing a murder and then they go and catch them before they do the murder and they put them in a a sort of prison but it's like a almost like a VR dream like state um so they they're in this it's called when I looked it up it was stated to be like a benevolent dreamlike state um so they're in a happy place essentially but they're also locked up but they haven't done a crime yet so it's nah, it's a strange one um but yeah but they're constantly changing those timelines so there's only still only one fixed timeline because there's only one thing that's happened there's lots of things that predicted to happen but they're constantly going nope we're not we're stopping that from happening and this is happening instead so it's a yeah it's a strange one it's whenever you, in this kind of in this film whenever you like in the previous two films whenever you change something that gave you a new timeline whereas in this film whenever you change something you still only get the one timeline it's just different to what it was predicted to be i just hit the microphone there um but uh yeah like i'm saying it's kind of a bit of an ethic like blocking them up is a bit of an ethically problematic uh thing because obviously it's not guaranteed to happen it's only a possible predictive future i mean one of the so there's three of these precogs there's two twins and a third one and the third one actually has different uh well it's been known that the third one has different visions um or slightly different visions sometimes so it's not even foolproof. It's not even like they're all going, yeah, this is the timeline that's going to happen. It's like, this is, like, everyone knows that this is a possible timeline. So, like, all the pre-crime people are locking people up knowing that they might not have committed this crime even if they'd have just let it let things happen. Um, I mean, technically, they're not criminals because they haven't committed any crime. They've just, 
it's predicted that someone like I I like you could predict that I'm gonna go and rob a bank tomorrow or that I'm gonna stab someone. It's not gonna happen, but it could do. It's a possibility. Like I could go, I could go and murder murder a person. I could go to work tomorrow, murder someone. It's not gonna happen, but it could do. It's a possibility. It's just very, 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 very unlikely. So, I mean, they're technically it's they're like, and what they what pre-crime is seen is a possibility, but it's not a guarantee. So, yeah, it's technically they're not criminals. So, I mean, I don't know whether they should actually be held. It's a benevolent dream state, but I don't know. Um, who knows? I'm not getting into that again. These films all have questionable things in them and questionable loopholes or problems or whatever. But we're just not going there. We're focusing on the time crime universe, um, which in summary is that in the Snow White program from Deja Vu is developed over five years and becomes the source code program from source code. And then in the third, wait, what was it? 43 years, 44 years in between Source Code and Minority Report, it's developed so much that they no longer go into the past, but they go into the future and they see future crimes. And it, this program becomes pre-crime. Um, so, and so they witness the crimes in time. And the only significant change from any actions uh, well, while observing the crime is if they... Hang on. What is, what is going on with my notes? So they witness any the crimes that are happening in time using those programs or using this program because it's still the same one. Um, and the only... Like, if there's a significant change while they're observing this um, by them, if they... By the the observer, um, then that's that results in a different timeline or a change in the timeline. Um, so, yeah... And this kind of is the whole premise of um, the show and other time, or the segment and other time that I do, um, which is coming in two weeks' time. Um, yeah, so there's the like the Incredible Hulk Iron Man one and the girls with the dragon tattoo, and then there's another one that's coming in two weeks' time, which uh, which um, you'll find out about next week. So um, yeah, so let me know what you think of that um, on the various places and. Normally, I would have a question for you at this point. But in fact, this week, we have uh, a question from Twitter. Um, so, um, as always, you can contact me at AllOutWalker and provide any questions or anything like that. And this one is from Michael Park. Um, and he said, uh, Did you have any films that scared you as a child? I used to be terrified of The Headless Horseman from The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And that was meant to be a film for kids. Uh, do you agree with movie ratings? Love the pod. Um, thank you very much for that uh, message. Um, I'm the well done for being the first one, uh, first uh, question uh, on the show. Um, so I'm assuming that um, the because I looked it up and there's a lot of Sleepy Hollow films and stuff. So I assume that when you said the Legend of Sleepy Hollow, you meant uh, the Adventures of Ichabod and Mister Toad because that's like an animated Disney film. Um, I haven't actually seen that, so I can't really comment on that. I saw some photos, but I mean, I'm now 26, so it just looks like a cartoon headless horseman. So, um, but I understand, um, that it might've been scary at the time. Um, 
I actually saw... My, the thing that scared me a lot... I thought about this for a while and I was struggling. But then immediately I remembered Pinocchio. Um... Or as soon as I thought of Pinocchio, I was like, yes, that's it. That's that, that, that's the one. Um, and specifically in Pinocchio, the bit uh, on Pleasure Island. So in, Ple- uh, it, bleh, in Pinocchio, um, there is this tricky fox man who is trying to... When I say fox man, he is a man who is a fox. Um, just go with it. Um, so he is tricking boys to go to um, this sort of like amusement park sort of thing called treasure pleasure island um and when he goes there um he befriends uh, what wikipedia calls a delinquent and uh together they drink and they they get drunk and they smoke and they gamble and stuff and do all this sort of stuff that you're not supposed to do is like a i don't know like a 10 year old kid or whatever they're supposed to be um but they also find out uh the hard way that this island is cursed um, and uh, the boys, like the foxman, has been tricking them there, um, because when they get there, they there is a curse that the boys get turned into donkeys, and you see that, and it is horrifying. It's so terrifying. I so it scared me so much as a kid. And you see, in fact, you don't even see. You see, like the end of you see this delinquent who is called. Uh, Lambert or Lampwick or something like that um, and you see him begin with you, because it's so horrifying this transformation you see it as a shadow on the wall and then you only see like the end result but the combination of like the animation in back in the, those days and the music and the way that it's shot it's just terrifying and I don't really remember i've definitely seen bits of the end of the film but i don't really remember watching the end of the film and i don't remember it as vividly as that um so i may even have stopped watching at that point i don't even know so that's the thing that freaked me out as a kid um but yeah let me know if there's any any others um that anything that you freaked you out as a kid as well um in terms of ratings uh, he also asked about do you agree with movie ratings? Uh, ratings are fine. Um, I mean, I'd say they're more... I'd say they're good guidelines. Um, obviously, they if it's like an older like rating, like an 18 or something, you have to legally sort of um, enforce that. Um, but I'd say like ratings really sort of... They sort of vary from person to person. Like I know a lot of people that watched a lot of um, like 15 films and stuff when they were 10 or whatever, but... Um, Personally, I was quite a, I don't know, like a timid and squeamish kid. So, I mean, even at, I watched Hot Fuzz at 14 and that freaked me out. And I can watch it now and stuff because I didn't like blood or anything. So, like, there's bits in that film that sort of freaked me out. Um, and, I mean, I was 14. Like, I was only a year off the actual age rating that it was at the time. Um, I mean, now I watch it and it's great. It's one of my favorite films. So, I mean... It, it varies from person to person, um, just what people's sensibilities are like. Um, and so, because of that, I feel like it should be, it should really, the owner should really be on you if you're older or your parents if you're younger. Um, and, like, they should do their research just in terms of, like, is this film appropriate for my child, really? But, um, but yeah, I mean, like, if it's an older thing, then obviously, like, you, um, ratings board legally will enforce things and, 
rate things. So, I mean, like, yeah, but if you're at home or whatever, then just take, um, yeah, just do your research and just kind of think about it. And, like, if you feel like you'd be happy to watch it, then watch it, but at your own risk. Like, if you're younger, and like, if you want to watch a horror film that's an 18 when you're 12, I mean, you've, by all means, you can do that. But if it freaks you out, you only have yourself to blame. So, uh, whatever. Um, yeah, so thank you, Michael, for that uh that tweet um yeah it's really kind um so next that's all for this week uh unfortunately but next week i will be covering the films of may of which there have been many um so next week there's actually been lots of films come out so this week um alone we've had brightburn and aladdin come out and next Friday, on the very, very end of May, there is Godzilla, King of the Monsters. So I'm going to try and do, very, very stupid, but I'm going to try and see all three of those films within the next week. So, could go well, it could go bad. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to try and see all those films in the next week and talk briefly about them, uh, non-spoilery, like I normally do. Um, and then after that, I'm going to choose the... My top three films of May, um, and go into like a big bit more detail and do a bit more spoilers on those. Um, I understand that Godzilla, I like if I don't know whether it will be Godzilla, um, but I understand that I, it will be opening weekend and people might not have seen it. So I'll I'll put time codes in and everything so you can jump around and you can uh, not spoil yourself. If you don't want to spoil yourself. So uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening uh, once again. Uh, thank you Michael for getting in touch and if you would like to get in touch you can do that in very various places um, you can get in touch at Twitter uh, like Michael did at, at All Out Walker um, you can get in touch on Facebook at facebook.com slash fillmeuppod um, you can get in touch by email at fillmeuppod at outlook.com and I mentioned last week that I was doing a poll for the duology, the next duology that I'm doing um, on Facebook, but turns out Facebook only has two options. So I I put a little note um, redirecting you to a poll that I did on Twitter, um, but just in case I'm going to put that poll up again, um, it's going to be the exact same poll, um, there's four choices, there's Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2, um, there's um, the Chili Palmer series, uh, Get Shorty and Be Cool. There is Paddington and Paddington 2. And there is also The Strangers and The Strangers Pray at Night. So there's a bit of a variation. Um, yeah, if you just go onto Twitter at All Out... If you just find me on Twitter at All Out Walker, um, yeah, you'll find the poll. Um, yeah, and just uh, just vote on which one you'd like to see. Um, and next week I'll, I'll, I'll announce it so that you've got plenty of time to watch them um, for when I talk about them in... Uh, what is it, like three weeks' time? Something like that? two three weeks three weeks i think so yeah uh thanks again and uh i'll see you next week bye